Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Sarah Harvey, and this is Sarah Jordan, Zelda Barons. And I am so excited today to talk about this topic. We are going to talk about skyrocketing prosperity. And this is something that Sarah knows extremely a lot about because she actually wrote a book about it. And so we're going to talk to her. Yeah, that's Yep, that's Sarah's book. And it's under Zelda Barons. That's her pen name for her book and also the name she uses uh, in her psychic business. So I'm going to pull up our live here real quick so we can see what see what questions you guys have. You guys also, um, there was a feed that uh, Sarah asked questions uh, or asked for questions ahead of time. So I want to make sure that... There we are. Um, so we want to make sure that we address those questions as well. And um, but I actually will start off with asking uh, Sarah questions. So first of all, Sarah, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. OK, thanks for having me, Sarah. Um, so I first heard about um, manifesting or you can create your world with your thoughts when I was 14 years old. It was the early 90s, and I was going to a psychologist for a deep depression that I was in, and this sort of blew my mind um, because I thought, like, my thoughts were like a tape playing, and basically, um, that's kind of how we're all programmed to feel, right? Um, but I'll get into that a little bit later. I'm kind of uh, going off the cuff, but I've I'm always been the type of person that has a ton of hobbies and interests from art to music and i've studied the paranormal and you know things of that nature universal out there things like since i was a little kid and um i've been married for 10 years i love animals we have three pet chickens and an adopted chihuahua mini greyhound mix who is outside with my husband now so that we can have quiet for the show but I found Sarah Harvey on a, another YouTube channel and instantly something clicked that I was like, okay, this is someone who I loved learning from with her Etsy course and she's helped me a lot. So thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to have you. And we've, uh, we've talked before, but we've never actually really talked live. So I'm pretty yeah. excited. More. So when, uh, you started your spiritual business. What was the key factor in your decision to open a spiritual business? Well, I think I think it was the universe that forced me to do it, kind of kicking and screaming, because <laughs> I've always been really sensitive and psychic, and this was not a part of myself that I embraced or fully showed people. So um, I started my first business in 2010, and I was a face painter for corporate events and parties, and I got paid very well for it. Um, but it kept me around crowds and loud music all the time. So I was chronically exhausted from it, but I didn't really think it was a problem for me um, until I went to get my aura read a couple years ago. And it was really funny because this was another psychic person, and she's like, oh, hello, like, come on in, magical person. Um, she's like, I'm so glad you're here. I was like, me too. I'm really excited. She took my picture with her camera and she's like, ooh. And I was like, what? 
she's like, you don't want to be here. And I was like, I do. I was so excited to get my aura read. I just, I love learning about this kind of stuff. She's like, no, you don't want to be here on earth. And like, she turned the picture around and there was this little teeny, 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 tiny rainbow on the, surrounded by black. She's like, you're not grounded at all. You're not in your body, which (laughs) to do psychic work, you kind of have to be ungrounded. But I was like, pretty much it's, your aura is a reflection of your energy level. So I was really fading away. But um, what I noticed at the events that I was painting at is children, people, um, when I was doing henna or face painting, they would put their hand on me or just like be next to me and be like, it feels so good to be near you. I don't know what you're doing. Are you a healer? And so I was on the side, I was reading on a psychic hotline and I kind of felt like a counselor. In fact, I went to high school. I went to college for psychology. And um, so when the pandemic happened, I was like, you know what? What if I really gave this my all? I was like, have I ever really tried at this? So I actually started to try and focus on one thing. And it really became important to me. And I've just been able to help so many people. And like, my life is just like blown up, but in a good way. <laughs> And I actually got my aura read by the same psychic a couple months ago. And my aura is much bigger and brighter now. Still not grounded, but she said, you're living your purpose now. (laughs) So that has to be exciting. So did you, I know this is kind of off uh, what uh, some of the stuff that we talked about, but did you, when you, when you met her, did you feel that energy that we seem to feel when we're around other spiritual people? I felt like I belonged and that I didn't have to hide. Um, so when I was at a corporate event painting, for example, you know, I was just, I was usually focused on something, but I tend to have like a calm energy, but I wasn't like, Oh, I'm psychic. I'm here to heal. You know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, um, I love that you asked that because my sister asked me that. She was like, what does it feel like to be around another psychic person? Like, it just feels like we're old friends talking. I feel that with you too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree. Like, that's the, it's just a calming feeling. It's like, okay, you get me. Like, you just instantly know that when you, that's the way I feel too. So uh, now you actually, this is something that I thought was really interesting. You have a lot of interesting things about you, I have to tell you. But you actually worked with a detective um, and kind of tell us how that came about and what you did for them. So my life feels like a series of amazing synchronicities, like one right after the other. And for those of you that are watching, if you don't know, a synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence. But um, so I watched The Men Who Stare at Goats a couple years ago. It's a movie with George Clooney. It's about remote viewing, which is seeing at a distance uh, clairvoyantly with your mind. And so I was teaching myself how to remote view from books. (laughs) And I was showing my results. I had this binder. Uh, show my results to my husband and he's like all right I'm gonna stick something in an envelope and I'm gonna hide it in the house and I'm gonna make you find it and I'm gonna make you tell me what's in it without you knowing so we did and I remembered um, remembering now it was a picture of water and a dolphin 
and I drew waves and a fish. And he's like, no way. So he was bragging to our close friends about me. And my friend Ashley's like, oh my God, Sarah, you have to watch this show on Amazon Prime called Sensing Murder. It's about psychic investigators. So I binge watched the show. It was summertime a couple years ago. And I was like, this is really cool. And whenever I have a new interest, I learn all about the people on the show. So each episode was focused on um, a different um, psychic that would help a detective in a case, help solve a murder or solve a crime in some way. So one of the detectives that I Googled and became interested in, her name was, is, she's still living, is Pam Coronado. And what drew me to her is that she's very practical, down to earth. She has a funny sense of humor and she reminded me of me. So I actually got a reading from her last year and she's like, oh, you can do what I do, but you do not like being, this was right before the pandemic. She's like, you do not like being around people in crowds. Not that I hate people, but I very much need to, I'm like a true introvert. This there's a misconception that it means it's shy. It just means that I get my energy from being at home alone or yeah, I feel like my house is my battery. And when I leave, I need to come back and uh, recharge. But she's like, you would have trouble charging for this, which I don't, but, <laughs> but I could see what she said. And I actually helped some neighbors find their uh, lost animals through this, but yeah, so I became aware of her and then I saw that she had, classes. So I took, I signed up and I took six months Zoom classes with her. And it was every Wednesday for three hours and we would meet and we would talk about like photo reading and stuff like that. And a lot of the photos from the class were real cases. So it felt really cool to be able to give input. And I've always been able to photo read, but I didn't know that it was such, I didn't know what it was called. And I didn't know that it was that people actually so a lot of Pam actually became a detective, like a legit police detective, because she wanted to be taken seriously. And the police solve the crimes. They just rely on her input to give them clues. But she has a lot of clients that get like, for example, give her a bunch of photos of criminals. And then she would weed out the ones that are violent or nonviolent. And now my husband thought it was based on facial expression. It's not. It's all about the eyes. And this is one of the services that I sell in my Etsy shop. It's really popular as a photo reading. Um, it's sort of like a psychic personality test. So I'll be able to tell by looking um, if they're trustworthy, all about their personality. I'm just reading their eyes. And it's like, I don't know, it just comes to me. So I rambled on a bit, but does that answer no. your question? It also felt like I really belonged too. I was like, okay, I really belonged. But the reason why I stopped with the classes is because I was getting drained by talking for three hours every week. But yeah. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll come back. I've, I learned so much. Yeah, I didn't know that you did photo readings too. That's pretty exciting. Uh, Carla's actually on our live. Sorry, guys. I hey, Carla. Thanks so much for joining. She actually, uh, that's something that she hadn't done before. And she's honestly, she's really, really good at it. It was something that we, we had kind of talked about. So uh, now, as far as 
your book goes, what inspired you to write your book? So you you had you had worked with the uh, detective, and now you're moving on, and you wrote this book. When did you actually write the book? So I wrote the book in 2018, I believe. I'm actually going to check the inside. Oh, 2019. It was the very beginning of 2019. I wrote it on vacation. We are visiting Arizona and California. So I was just chill, relaxed on the beach every day. And it just like flew out of me. But I wrote the book on a, I honestly did it as an experiment. Because I was like, I want to write a book and not do any marketing and traditional marketing. Like I mentally tell people with my mind how I can help them. It might sound a little crazy, but probably not to you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, that's how I built when I was a pet sitter. That's how I built my business. Um, I'm no longer a pet sitter. I'm exclusively doing psychic work. And um, You've been a pet sitter too? Sorry to interrupt. No, yeah, I am a serial entrepreneur. So I pet sat um, for little dogs in my home for five years. I started after we had to put our old dog to sleep. He was a senior dog and I wanted another dog and my husband didn't. So I said, okay, I'm going to fill our house with other dogs. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love animals and now we have our own. But um, yeah, so I wrote the book in 2019 in the beginning as an experiment and I used my algorithm of joy and I wanted to see, I also wanted to help people. And the reason why I named it Rich Witch is because I wanted to trigger people. Um, I don't identify as a witch. I don't really believe in labels, but I, I hang out with those that do. And I know the word rich is very triggering. Um, but it feels like being uh, abundant or wealthy or having money, money is like a type of air. Um, we need it to survive in this day and age. Like you need it to buy food, clothes, water, that sort of thing. So I don't find that there's anything evil about it, but I wanted to trigger people with the title. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I I got the book and I started reading it and it does not seem like you just wrote it in a short period of time. Like it seems like you took a lot of time to write it. So that's, that's interesting to me that it just flew, or like that all that just came out so quickly. So it was just something that was meant to happen. Um, yeah. Like I would say, like four weeks tops. That yeah, that's impressive. I I actually have uh, written you know shorter books before that I haven't really put out or done anything with, just to do you know just to write. And I feel like writing an entire book is uh, more uh, it, it's more difficult than people think it is when they're starting out to fill that fill enough information to fill an entire book. So uh, now one of the things that I thought was uh, just a huge question for you uh, that is really important kind of goes along with the book is do you believe that anyone can become prosperous? I actually love that question. And the way I'm going to answer it is I believe anyone who is willing to shift their perspective and reprogramming their limiting beliefs about money and what it means to become prosperous can become prosperous. So I'm going to give you an example because that's kind of a mouthful. 
So let's say I have a friend down the street named Fred, and he believes that all rich people are evil or greedy. So Fred's mind, his subconscious mind, and his beliefs are going to prevent him from becoming what he deems as rich because he doesn't want to become one of those greedy rich people. Right. So if you ask me for advice about how to increase his income, I would say let's start with those beliefs because if you want to see what your subconscious beliefs are, take a look at your life because um, Dr. Bruce Lip Lipton, he's a quantum physicist, he says that you're – or no – yeah, he does. Okay. Your life is like a printout of your beliefs. So yeah. And if Fred is not ready, if he doesn't like my answer, um, I would say he's not ready to become prosperous because he'd rather feel right uh, than rich. And I know a lot of people like that. I've had a lot of clients that they come from the old, um, there's only one way to do things, uh, uh, black and white thinking. I've had a lot of clients like that. But most of my clients, I'd say like 98% of them have the same mindset that I do. Like there's a million ways to make money. It doesn't have to just come from one business or your job. Yeah. And I, that brings me back to whenever I hear someone say money is the root of all evil. And I always think to myself, but it's necessary. Like we need it. Yeah. We can't help other people. Like, there was something uh, that I read a long time ago that said, you know, I want to be the one in my family that is able to help the others if they need it. So if my brother is sick and can't take care of things, then I I am able to step in and do that. And that's what money brings. And I thought that was really interesting. And not just that, but, you know, helping people just in general who aren't parts of our family. Um, I think that's important. You know, we, there's so many, uh, what are they called, the GoFundMe pages all over uh, Facebook. And I think that uh, that old saying that money is the root of all evil was something that it was probably instilled. I know that was something my family said. And I thought now that I'm older, I, I, I challenge my dad with that. Like, you know, <laughs> The more yeah. you can buy more motorcycles with more money, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I believe that that saying was around to disempower people and make them afraid because when people are afraid, they're easier to control. Yeah, and um, that's the best way to disempower people, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like and like you can't be poor enough to help another person, yeah. You know, I watched that show that you're talking about, too, and I thought that was really interesting that the different psychics, well, we know this in, in our world, but I think for other people to get an idea that uh, we're not necessarily going to go to Las Vegas and get every single number right and be, uh, you know, walking out or kicked out of Vegas. What, there was a psychic that got kicked out of Vegas. I think it was <laughs> maybe Sylvia Brown, I think it might have been. But anyway... Uh, I think that seeing the different ways that they utilize their abilities uh, in that world is is interesting to me, kind of to go back to that. That doesn't really have. Um, so yeah, I love that, too, because um, we're all unique and we all even if you and I had the same abilities, we might uh, go about using them differently or yeah. access them in a different way or have a different 
reading routine. <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, that's, that's something that like the common person doesn't always realize, I think. So uh, what value do you believe that your book brings your readers? Um, through my books, through everything I do, every interaction I have with someone, I just want to empower them and help them to become confident and see that they have a choice. They don't have to live their life by default. And I just want them to know that they can create anything. I like that. I do. I think that uh, we talk about, and I know you, you do readings as well. So yeah. one of the things that I think I talk about a lot with people um, because in one of my readings, this, I think it's the spirit guide reading, neither here nor there, but uh, it's, you know, what challenges or what do you need to learn in this life? And that is probably the most common um, is limiting beliefs or ancestral limiting beliefs. I think that plays a huge part when uh, when we think about it. You know, that also, I, I, I'm totally off subject here, but I oh, was watching it. I want to really... <laughs> I was watching this television show that I thought was really interesting. And um, it was three families and it was in, uh, I think it was in the UK, but basically the families had to uh, live. They had three different, they had a rich, a rich house, a medium, you know, a, uh, like a mediocre house and then a poor house basically. And the families had to, uh, take whatever their ancestors, uh, whatever their uh, wealth status was, and they had to live in these, that same style. So, you know, one family's uh, had maids and butlers and this and that. The second family, they had to work and uh, their, but their house was okay, you know. And then the third family, uh, they basically lived in poverty, but they had to, whatever their ancestors um, status was is what house they were given. And I thought that was really interesting because uh, that doesn't always go uh, generation to generation, that type of lifestyle. So I thought that was kind of interesting anyway, total sidebar. But you that had interesting. Yeah. And you know, yeah. um, very pleasantly surprising is a lot of today's millionaires grew up poor and it gave like, um, like if you look at someone like Kevin Hart, um, the actor, I read all his books. I highly recommend them. He's got such an abundance mindset. But yeah, he grew up poor and he didn't want to live like that. So it motivated him to, um, you know, work his way out of it. Yeah, Oprah. I, we could go oh, on and on. Yeah. She's had like really awful childhood. I think she was like uh, pregnant from... Uh, from rape, like under the age of 16, like it's all yeah. in how, like we all have crappy things that happen to us, but you can alchemize it and use it to propel you forward. Um, uh, obviously you want to release your energy because I'm going off on a little tangent here, but um, one of the questions that one of my readers asked me is like, with the law of attraction, it's a common misconception that you have to be like, feeling happy and joyful all the time. No, 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 you don't. You want to release your emotions because otherwise they'll get stuck inside you and create mishaps for you. Uh, you just don't want to get stuck in a bad mood for three days. You have a choice about that. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're mad or if you're sad, you know, let it out. Like 
just don't get stuck in it. Yeah, I think that, and I've talked about, uh, do you actually, do you have a vision board? Do you use that as well? I did use vision boards. In fact, um, so my dog, I have, I have a crazy vision board story. Do you want me to share it now? Or it. Yeah, no, you can share it. I'm curious so now. Is um, He's a Chihuahua Italian Greyhound mix. So he's got the face of an Italian Greyhound, like a little triangle face and like little tiny body. And I, I saw him on a Humane Society website. I was on like a waiting list. He was in Georgia five hours away last year. They emailed him to me. I was like, I showed him to my husband. I was like, this is our dog. Let's go get him. We brought him home. And I realized that I had all this stuff all over the house uh, with dogs on it that look like him, like dish towels from my mom. Um, uh, this is really weird. But a couple years ago, I paint, I do animal portraits and I painted an Italian greyhound that I wanted and it looked like him. So it's like I manifested one that looked just like him. <laughs> and he's different breeds. So that's. Uh... Yeah, he's <laughs> So you had, uh, that's why I look tired, by the way, guys. It's funny that you had, when I seen on your picture that you posted on Facebook that we were going to be live, and I thought, and I giggled because you had your dog in the picture, and I thought to myself, my dog had me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's why I was late for the live, because I was sleeping. I thought, well, so my dog's sitting outside. She's probably not the happiest with me that she's still outside, because she's kind of like, She's a couch dog. She really loves coming and staying on the couch. But I thought, well, you got me up at three o'clock in the morning. So you can chill in the sun for a little while anyway. But uh, so uh, there we had some questions from some people in the group. And I think you you have those questions with you. So why don't we check out those questions and see what everybody else are in the group had questions about. Okay, so um, Donna asked if manifestation has a time limit. And so we're manifesting all the time. Um, right now, the experience that you're living is something that you put into motion maybe a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to say no, because um, we just we live in a three dimensional world that's ruled by time. But time is like made up by humans and our minds move faster in the 3D reality. So we often think of time as like a line, but really time is like a circle, like all happening at once. We just give it a label. So um, if you want to say, let's say you want to manifest like a house on the beach and you put that intention out like 10 years ago, like if you're going to take inspired action towards that, you maybe even forgot about it. You might get the essence of that. Like, for example, I forgot about my Greyhound painting and I was actually, I was like, well, maybe we should adopt a miniature pincher instead. And it was like, I wasn't attached to the outcome and that's when it like came to come find me. So it's not necessary to be super specific, but just to know the essence of what you want. Um, so yeah, time time frames. like I don't give the universe a time frame because um, the universe will give you um, what you are a match for not what you think is like a good time limit. Oh, that's interesting. I take notes. That's why you see me looking at my oh, uh, desk. So that's uh, interesting that you say that our mind moves uh, faster uh, than our 3D reality, because that's something that I guess I've never really 
never really, I mean, I, I, I know it, but it's not something that I've really talked about out loud. And I think that's interesting because we as humans, we need a lot of things that are, I guess, uh, we, we have labels for a lot of different things and time is just one more way of doing that. But uh, I'll let you, sorry, I'm, I just comment. No, so. no, I, I love your feedback. Yeah. You have your, uh, you have the other sets of questions. So. Um, so Rachel asked how to get out of your own way. And I love the way that you asked this, Rachel, because it puts you in the driver's seat and gives you the power. Um, like you don't have to change every single person or condition in your life. How can you change? So um, this goes back to limiting beliefs. Uh, you have to, first of all, you have to decide you want to change. Um, and clearly you do since you asked me that question and you're probably going to watch this later. But then you just want to do some like journaling or write a list of all the beliefs that come to mind. Like it could be memories related to money. Like maybe your mom told you like you're greedy for wanting like an extra scoop of ice cream or something like that. And it made you feel bad. But like these things that happen to us when we're under the age of seven, like they, that little girl, like is still alive in your body. Like that memory, like can still be playing out today. Like if you believe you're unworthy in some way, or if you believe that, um, if you win, everyone else has to lose. Like, that's a really popular belief. Like, you're going to want to need to know that so that you can change it. And um, change happens through repetition. That's how affirmations worked. Uh, I talk a lot about affirmations in our the first live that I did about psychic abilities, which is in the, the group here. Um, but yeah, you have to make something say something that you believe is true. So like, I'm working on my money mindset. I intend to improve. That's more true for you maybe than I'm a super billionaire. You know what I mean? So basically it's step by step. Instead of, uh, instead of just instantly uh, trying to imagine something that you don't consider realistic, is that that's what you're explaining? Yeah, yeah, incrementally. So like maybe you're not going to stay at, maybe you're not going to fly first class right away, but maybe you decide to like take an airplane instead of like going on a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, whatever your idea of first class is to you or success is to you because it's an individual thing. Like for me, like, having central air conditioning and a washer and dryer is an essential. Like, right. like I, like I am grateful for it every day. Um, I couldn't imagine not having it, but my husband grew up without air conditioning. And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, that's child abuse. How no, I lived in Pennsylvania where like they get hundred degree summers. I was like, how are you alive right now? So like, while I'm in our house, he will often be wearing a hoodie because he's just used to that. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't have, I have to ask, because in Iowa, he didn't have like a window air conditioner or he didn't have central air? No, he didn't have it. Um, like his parent, his mom is still very frugal. Um, and I, I have to say, like, just because someone makes more money doesn't automatically upgrade their mindset. So right. someone be like, on paper, they can be wealthy, but they can still feel poor as what, you know, they can still feel poor. Yeah, I had a, that's funny that you say that because my grandparents, 
my great grandparents, uh, they had a lot of money. Both my sets of grandparents did. But what's really funny about it is they lived in a shack. Like, like they tore it down after they passed away because it was just that it, that bad of quality of house. But uh, they they just were happy living there. They'd go and they'd uh, gamble, take a bus down to uh, the casino and gamble and that kind of thing. And that was the the what they did in their retirement. But they they were just happy living in the house that they were in. So I think that's interesting. Uh, so uh, now uh, Carla had said when we were talking about uh, when you were talking about Kevin Hart, she said a lot of rappers have their stories and drive Nicki Minaj, 50 Cent, Eminem, Yellow Wolf. I think that's true. Like and it's interesting because this is something that we we hadn't discussed about talking about, but I think this is a really good one. People who win the lottery how they, uh, and I know there's a show, I haven't watched it, there's a show on uh, Discovery Plus right now about uh, people going and buying houses that won the lottery, but it's interesting to me uh, how they don't know how to manage money beforehand, and then when they get it, they don't really know how to manage it. So what would you say about their mindset, like, about how, why that's happening? Yeah, I love that question. So, if they subconsciously or consciously believe that they are not worthy of it or that it's above them in some way or that it's not good for them, they will go blow it all. And we hear that all the time, not just with people that win the lottery, but like with certain celebrities too. Um, was it Millie Vanilli? I think Britney Spears had a moment, but uh, yeah, um, it's all about mindset. So if, if you're someone that maybe believes deep down that you're like a piece of crap, um, you have really bad self-esteem, you're going to just, I don't deserve this. Maybe you're not um, even aware of it, but that tape is playing and you're going to go get rid of it because it's not safe for you to have it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, and uh, I think another one is MC Hammer after all yeah. that. That was it. Tons of success, and then I think he had an accountant or something that was helping him, which I'm sure was only part of the problem. But uh, it's crazy how they how they get all that and don't don't really know how to manage it. I, that makes sense that they're not their mindset is just that this isn't going to be something that is good for me as a person. Right. Like just because you get a whole bunch of money, it doesn't upgrade your mindset. You have to work on that consciously yourself before you can keep any of it. So when you talked about and I think this is interesting, when you talk about what's essential in your life. So you talked about your husband and the air conditioning. At some point, I feel like I don't know how you what you think about this, but at some point I feel like uh your beliefs change as you're progressing through this about um, about what you consider essential. So I heard somebody talking about this. I cannot remember who it was or if it was in a book or what, but um, how for some people having a set amount of money in their savings account is essential for them. Like that is no questions. Like they always have it. That's the bare minimum. Like I think somebody said $10,000. They do not want any less than $10,000 in their uh, savings account because then it makes them feel 
like uncomfortable, like they couldn't survive without it. So kind of what, what do you say about that? What's your, what are your feelings about that? I would say that to them, money is tied to a sense of security. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, money is, it's pretend. It's something that we all agree exists, um, especially because the Federal Reserve can just print it out at will. And look, like, look at cryptocurrency. It's like an electronic thing that we're all agreeing exists. So you can feel secure uh, without money and help you bring it to you. So I talk a lot about the essence of what money means to you in Rich Witch. And I like to think of money as the middleman because a lot of times when we say, oh, I really want $10,000, maybe what you mean is like, I want to go on a luxury vacation or I want to be able to pay my bills with ease or I want to buy like a really nice outfit or fly first class, like uh, whatever, you know, money is just the middleman. It's really the experience and the feelings associated with it that you want so if money is tied to security for me money is tied to freedom i always want to feel free um so if i do things that make me feel free that's what helps bring me the money so it's right. sort of like a little um little cheat sheet there <laughs> a little little trick there so uh whitney says yes that's the best way to use affirmations for me step by step so she's talking about when we were talking about uh, smaller steps instead of just jumping right into something that we don't necessarily uh, can't yet get behind. Or believe, yeah. yeah so believe. You wanna program yourself with stuff that's believable. Thanks Whitney, I'm glad that was helpful. Um, and so I don't know, do you, let's see. So you, you've done so many different things. That's interesting. So uh, through all these experiences, you actually, uh, you you've been successful. You are, you're like the definition of a serial entrepreneur, which is awesome because now you get to take all those different experiences and ball them all into one. So, and I said that I got your book, I got your book on Amazon and I'm, I'm excited to read it. You have Thank to do a Oh, you have to do an audio version. <laughs> Just yeah, an audio version. like, um, uh, reading a chapter and like giving it away. Um, if that's something you guys would be interested in, let me know or drop, add yourself to my email list. I do like, um, I give away stuff there all the time. You'll also find out about sales in my Etsy shop. And when I'm writing my next book, which is based on a course I'm creating about psychic abilities, which Sarah and I are going to talk about again next month. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty excited about that. When we're done chatting, can you put your links in the uh comments so oh, that yeah, yeah yeah i don't do you have you have sticky notes there is that your sticky note organizational system that's what i use <laughs> yes people oh it's funny uh my husband refers to my desk as like sticky note hell but i'm so visual <laughs> i like to see things written down i have a paper planner upstairs in my office yeah yeah this is, I have, this is, this is how i'm taking notes right now <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I might, I might read Kevin Hart's book after Sarah's. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I got it at the library, so you might be able to find it there. Yeah. So um, now, do you have? I don't know if you have other. Do you have other questions from uh, other people in the group? 
Um, that was all I got. Um, but okay. I was thinking I would do like a fun turn to a page at random and read out of my book okay. if you're open to that. Like, yeah, that'd our, be awesome. Uh, this is called uh, Bibliomancy, I believe, or divination through finding a random page in a book. So I'm just going to turn to a random page. All right, universe, what does this audience need to hear right now? Thank you for speaking through me. Okay. <laughs> How to make success and wealth feel normal for you. Go where you think the wealthy people would go. So spend time in a fancy tea shop or coffee shop. Visit the lobby of a nice hotel. Normalize it. Read a biography of someone who you admire. Expand your social circle. Take a class or read a book by someone who inspires you. So, um... I follow Amanda Francis, and I read her book, which is Rich as F-U-C-K. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, but um, she actually said, I love that I said go to a fancy coffee shop, because she actually said, I just discovered her recently, but she actually said that when she was growing up, her parents encouraged her not to spend money at all. So going to Starbucks was like a way to ruin her life. That's what they said. So she would go there and feel like a rich person, feel so luxurious by spending $5. So, yeah, you can spend a small amount of money and have it make you feel the way you want to feel. Because really, being rich is a state of mind. It's a feeling, it's a feeling that brings you stuff. So my, that's funny that you mentioned Starbucks because my daughter is – I don't know what it is that she doesn't really, she doesn't grasp any, any, like, I really feel bad for the kid when she moves out because money doesn't like, eh, she's just, she, it, it might help her. Who knows? It might help uh, uh, attract prosperity and abundance. But when we were at Starbucks, she bought a $25 water bottle and I was like, <laughs> growing up poor, I'm like, no, <laughs> like, you can get that out of the tap. <laughs> You don't need a $25 water bottle, but she just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And she, she put stickers on it. And I was like, you're going to put stickers on that. But that just shows like the difference in the way that we're growing up. I think like you're going to put stickers on the 20, you're ruining it. Like, that's just, I think that it also goes along with, uh, like we think about our parents and when we leave the door open and, or if we leave the lights on, my boyfriend's that way. Oh, so yes, my oh, dad. The energy, electricity, czar. <laughs> yeah, like you, I, I seen some meme on Facebook that says we're fine. It was a uh, the guy from I can't remember this show, but it says we're financially ruined now. Every dad, when you leave the lights on, I thought yeah. that's. Funny. Yeah, that is so true. That's my dad too. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, whenever Sean says that, I kind of laugh because you know these these new light bulbs they uh, are supposed to stay on. So I told him that one day, and he's he didn't grab. He was like not having that at all. Like, nope, the kids just shut the lights off. So I think that was a really perfect page to read because that's just kind of the beginning steps in changing that mindset and accepting those things. I think that. Um, I read a book and I can't remember who it was by, but it might've been by John Maxwell. You've probably read John Maxwell books. I'm sure listen to audios. Um, so they had talked about how uh, they had been to a party that everybody dressed the way that they wanted to be. 
So whoever, whatever they wanted to be in life, they dressed as that and how the mindset of just dressing like that and acting and playing that role had a big, uh, had a positive impact on their, um, like their emotional attachment to becoming that person. I thought that was kind of interesting. I love that. Yeah. Um, dress for the job you want. It's always a thing. Um, my grandma, when she was alive, she always dressed to the nines, always did her makeup, wore high heels all the time. Um, I'm not saying you have to totally become a girly girl, but whatever <laughs> makes you feel good, you should dress in that way. Um, and yeah, it'll help you step into it. Like that's method acting too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing she didn't leave the house without makeup on too. The correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, she would always tell me, you never know who you're going to run into. Look yeah. your best. <laughs> that's awesome. Look your best, little ragamuffin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So uh, you're going to put the links in the description. Um, and then I'll, uh, for anybody that's watching this, I'm going to put this on YouTube. So for anybody that's watching this on YouTube, I'll stick your links in the comments and awesome. pin it up there. So then they'll have that as well. And in the description, I have uh, Sarah's book. And hopefully by the time we get on a live next time, I'll have read the whole thing. And I, I'm getting into the first few few pages. So uh, I think that it's something that if you guys are looking at uh, skyrocketing your prosperity, attracting abundance, positive abundance, monetary abundance, uh, career, if you're looking to up up level your career, those types of things, starting your business or business, if you have a business and you want to upscale it, I really think that Sarah's book is going to make a huge difference in your mindset when you're going into that. Because I think no matter how long, and you you have a spiritual business too, I feel like no matter how long we have our spiritual business, it seems like there are points that we need to somehow be continuously uh, motivated or inspired to keep on creating and doing new things in our business, just to keep things interesting and fresh and new. So I think that her book could be amazing for you guys. And if you do read it, I want to know uh, in the in the group, like share that you're reading it and something that you've learned from it. That would be awesome. And other than that, would you have anything else that you want to share with us, Sarah? Yeah. Um, if you guys, after you watch this, if you have follow-up questions, drop them in the comments and tag me if you're in the exploring Claire's group. So I see it, but um, even if you're not into doing spells to me, a spell and manifesting is the same thing. It's just a way to move energy. So um this is spells, rituals, and habits, so it's not just spells. But, yeah, um, even the poorest that person has things to be grateful for. So uh, I want to leave you all with that. And thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I'm grateful for having a mentor like you in my life. Thank you. Oh, also, when, you, when, you are, when you're doing something new, a lot of times that's when we fall back on our default habits like, I'm not an expert yet, or this is too hard, or I'm not good enough. That's when we need stuff like this and mentors like Sarah Harvey in our lives. To just kind of bring us back to center. And you guys, it's funny that uh, I'm just going to share this uh, just because it's funny how people like, I love our group and how we talk about things. I think people like, uh, I don't feel like as, 
important as I think people, not that I'm not uh, accepting of that, but I feel like when, I'll just share an example of this and you'll understand what I'm saying. When I was in Missouri, I was on vacation and we went to Branson and we were at, there was like an aquatic center, something that we were touring and uh, we came outside and we're standing outside the car and there's this lady staring at me. And I'm like, what is that lady looking at? Why is she staring at me? And I realized after uh, my boyfriend, Sean and I, my kid, Karma, we got in the car and we're driving home at some point a couple days later. And he goes, what if she recognized you? Because we were talking about a work or, or like different stuff I was creating at the time. And I was like, what do you, you think somebody read? And then I realized that I've done several readings. You probably get this too on Etsy yeah. where uh, you get readings in certain areas. Like they'll share with their friends and you'll start to see like Missouri or Texas. Um, I feel like I get a lot in certain spots in Missouri. And I thought about it and I'm like, she might actually know me like from, you know, being on lives and stuff like that or on YouTube and I, I kind of laughed because I don't look at my, I'm still me. I'm still like, I always tell people like, I'm still that South side girl. Like that is my perception of me myself. So I think that's interesting that, uh, I mean, it, it is uplifting and I'm like happy that, to help people, but that's kind of my perception of me. Is that a bad perception? What's your opinion? No, on that? Like you're, you're um, down to earth and it's funny, you're a down-to-earth medium, but people connect with you that way. Same here. I'm from a small town. Um, you know, I've lived all over the place, though, but um, my one of my first courses that I ever created was um, a hula hoop dance course. This was, like, one of my businesses, like, 10 years ago, and I would, I would be in different states, and people would be like, you're hooping by Sarah. I know who you are. <laughs> this is so weird, because I'm, like, just, like, a small town girl that like just share stuff on the internet because I'm interested about it. And that's what I want to help people with. So <laughs> I really get feeling you are like the Jack of all trades. That's awesome. H hula hooping is that's something that uh, the kids don't seem to do as much nowadays as we used to when we were kids, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I go through these phases, like my, my recent phase the past couple of years was learning to play the ukulele. So that's like oh, that's awesome. singing. And that's sort of been like my mistress away from dance. <laughs> okay. Well, it was amazing to talk to you. I hope you guys, uh, Molly. Hi, Molly. Molly, I'll stop. Just jump hey, on. You'll watch you, you guys can watch the replay and I'm happy that everybody joined us. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story with everyone and for sharing the information about your book. It's on Amazon too, if you guys want it, so you can get the paperback or the digital version. And other I'll than that, the video. what'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Drop the links under the video. Oh, yep. And, and Sarah's going to drop the links under the video. So if you're looking for it, definitely look there. And other than that, Sarah's going to be back in the next few weeks and I'm excited for her to share her new venture. And I think you guys are going to be really excited about it, too. So I hope you all had a great time watching the live. And thank you guys for joining us. Thank you.